The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington, Ontario. Now, I've been telling you for years that Crosswinds offers the best value in public golf in all of Ontario. You got to believe me on this. You got to get out there if you haven't been. There's the 18-hole championship golf course, always in immaculate condition. There's the million-dollar views of Mount Nemo and Rattlesnake Point and the commitment to excellence by the staff. But there's so much more at Crosswinds. If you're looking to book a wedding or a special event, a banquet, a golf tournament in 2021, you might want to get in touch with them. It's a perfect venue. They got you covered with outstanding bank facilities. And when you add it all up, the golf, the banquet facilities, the great people, it's why Crosswinds is head and shoulders above the competition. Reasonably priced, less than an hour from downtown Toronto, and certainly worth the drive. Book your tea time online now at crosswindsgolf.com and tell them Hebsey sent you. Now, let's start the podcast. Welcome to Hebsey on Sports, episode number 204. I'm your host, Mark Hepsher, speaking to you from the Little Italy studio. That's on Clinton Street in downtown Toronto. That's a Little Italy is like uh, College Street and Clinton between, I'm going to say... Palmerston and Ossington. Near the uh, Cafe Diplomatico. Correct. Cafe Diplomatico, which is like the unofficial headquarters. I don't think it's the official headquarters for the World Cup or any big soccer event, but I would say it's the unofficial headquarters uh, down the street. Free plug for them. (laughs) They deserve it. Anyway, we're in Little Italy. And Mike, of course, is in the uh, at the mothership, which is in uh, New Toronto. And if you don't know where New Toronto is, Mike could explain this to you. It's I always say it's west of Mimico. Because everyone west knows Mimico, where Mimico tells is. tells people nothing who aren't from here. <laughs> Southwest corner, but not quite because you have Long Branch. It's nestled between, like you say, nestled. Nestled between Long Branch and Mimico on the Lake Ontario. Right. So would you say that New Toronto is a community? Or just a, a geographical region that somebody stuck up there and said, you're, by the way, you're not in Mimico, you're in New Toronto. No, I mean, uh, if you look at a map, it's actually kind of jutting out. What's it's, a map? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I'd say it's, it is definitely a community. Like, there's a part of the city kind of jutting out in the bottom you know, corner uh, that's New Toronto. And I think until I moved here, I was unfamiliar with this part of the city to be quite honest right. like you have to kind of have a reason to go down but then you realize oh my god like that's where the wa- there's a lot of waterfront here there's some nice parks mm-hmm. and it's quite the neighborhood yes uh hopefully we haven't lost any listeners or viewers <laughs> with a description of where you know the area that you live in but it is a lovely area google new toronto biking through there the other day right right so um so today on the show i don't know what are we going to talk hey The Blue Jays clinched a playoff spot before millions of TV viewers, but no fans in the stands in Buffalo. It's just too weird. I'm sorry, man. It's just people deserved. I think they should have allowed some people in. They should have had some kind of raffle and said, okay, like a thousand people spaced. Because I'm watching all these other sporting events now. And there's all kinds of people there. And some of them are distanced and some of them aren't. I was watching some soccer the other day where people were supposed to be distanced from each other in the 70,000 seat stadium. And they all just, they were over in this one corner. They're all from the same country and they all hung out together, right? They didn't have masks on. I don't think they were part of the same uh, household, but still it was like, oh, well, but let them go. Listen to yourself, Hebsey. You're saying for your, for you to enjoy it more on television, you want people to risk, uh, risk, 
encountering COVID-19? Well, risk. <laughs> the whole, really, life is a risk. I mean, is it a huge risk to these people? Obviously, they don't think so. Obviously, uh, in uh, you know some of the matches that we watched in lots of sports, people are okay with it as long as they're, the protocol is in place and they all feel safe and they all have masks on. So anyway, it's just, it's weird. It's just, you know, when they, like, for example, when they award the Stanley Cup, is Bettman going to have the mask on? Player going to have the mask on? Is Bettman in the bubble? It's a good question. If Bet- if Bettman's in the bubble, he doesn't need he the doesn't mask. He doesn't need the mask. No. But if he's not in the Even bubble, so. he should wear a mask. And a shield. <laughs> yeah, well, why not? I'll put him in a big duffel bag. Yeah, it looks so goofy. <laughs> but still, it's not about looks. It's about staying alive. Uh, okay, so so we're going to talk about the Jays. We're going to talk about uh, the wild celebrations in the streets of Toronto <laughs> last night after they clinched a playoff spot for the first time since 2016. And we're also going to talk about prior to that big win over the Yankees. Hours earlier, they fired a bunch of high-profile personnel, former players, former Cy Young winner, two special assistants, and there's going to be more firings coming. And I find this to be very distasteful because as fans, we should be celebrating, as the organization should be celebrating this moment and and taking it all in. But behind the scenes, there's chopping and cost-cutting going and nasty stuff. Like I'm very it interested. It takes away to me from the success that the team is seeing on the field this year. It I'm really in, does. I'm interested in your take on this because by all accounts, these are quality people and baseball people. And uh, the yeah. timing's interesting. Like I'm just, I'm mm-hmm. dying to hear your, uh, your take on this. Yes. Very, very interesting. <laughs> More firings coming. This is what happens at Rogers. They move people around in, uh, in their television and radio. I told you a few weeks ago that uh, Brandon Dunlop, Dave Randorf, um, now on the executive level, you've got uh, a former a partner of mine on TV, Greg Sansoni, who uh, has been, I, I'm going to assume this is an elevation in the duties. He's now in charge of like all the sports radio. So he's the boss of the Fan 590 the program director. The, yeah, he's going to be the program director's boss. He's going gotcha. to look after all that. All non-live sports events. Uh, live TV events will be handled by Greg, and part of his portfolio is looking after sports radio. Greg worked with the Fan 590. He was an under underling to Bob McCowan and people such as that. Got his feet wet there. I worked with him at uh, Global at Sportsline. I also worked with him at uh, Headline Sports. So Greg, Greg, Greg knows your number. He can uh, try to recruit. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, we're looking to hire an old white guy uh, who has opinions that, you know, may ruffle some feathers of, uh, you know, from, uh, corporate suits. Let's hire him. <laughs> oh, you mean Bob McCown? No, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, you're <laughs> right. People are That's... still like, well, you know, are they going to hire McCowan back in the afternoons? What do you, what's your thoughts on that? I, I just can't see it happening. The way he was treated, I, if I was McCowan, like, do I need it that badly that I'm going to go back to that? Like, you know, like, McCowan so likes money. McCowan likes money. But is it all about money? Is it really? When the when when all said and done, do you want them to say about you? Oh, Toronto Mike, he was great, and then he went for the big money, and then turned into an asshole. No, but right? for, he went the, for the money because you know, and then and his the his quality, and then so when we look back now, we go, oh, he. He started off okay, but then he chased the money. Or would rather than go, oh, you know, Toronto Mike, I mean, you know, solid guy, you know, didn't let money affect him, right? 
down to earth, you know, honest as the day is long, you know, didn't, it didn't sell out for shit. But they need each other, right? I I mean, I believe uh, the fan 590 needs McCowan and McCowan needs the fan 590. Do you you think that, do you think that people who listen to the fan, let's assume that most of them listen in their car. I'm just going to say. Sure. That, that those types of people were the types of people that the fan should be trying to attract and, you're attracting people like that with Bob McCowan. You're not going to attract people like that, for example, with new, fresh, young talent that's maybe unproven. You want to go with somebody, and also you want to be able to go to your sponsors and say, well, you know what this guy can do. You know what this guy can deliver. Are you okay, un- he's 68 years old or whatever. Do your sons, but, you, hey. have, you have two young sons. Uh, what, when I say young, yeah. I mean in their 20s, right? Yeah. Uh, do they listen to terrestrial radio? No. 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 Right. No. So it's, 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 they get their information pretty much off social media and they can watch any clip that any radio guy or podcast guy or TV guy had, you know, with a, a take on something. Right. Right. So, so I mean, so, that, so what I guess what I'm saying there is that, um, the last audience Rogers, I mean, uh, sorry, not Roger, but terrestrial radio has is, is that, that old aging demo that listens in their cars. Oh no, no, I disagree. Okay. Talk to me. You didn't ask me if my kids listen to the podcasts. Okay, so so your kids listen yes, to radio shows as podcasts. They listen to podcasts. They do. They are not beholden to a time frame, right? Right. On demand. Neither one of them commutes any more than a few minutes, so it's not part of their commute. Right. But when the time comes, they want to catch up on what happened or whatever. They'll they'll find the podcast. You know, and the podcast you don't have the commercials in there, right? So they can listen to you know, the, whatever comments they want about the Leafs, the Raptors, uh, whatever in, in 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Gotcha. Gotcha. So they're just consuming, consuming their mm-hmm. broadcast in a, a modern on-demand format, digital format, as opposed to not live, like, like, dial. like our listeners, like many of our listeners who right. aren't, you know, are not listening or watching live, yeah. but they get us a little later on at whatever time at their leisure. Right. No, gotcha. And Interesting. still get the same good stuff. So, would you, if you were the, if you were Greg Sansoni, would you bring in this young, hip uh, morning show for the Fan Five Ninety and go after the younger crowd? Is that what I'm hearing? No, I would. If I was Greg Sansoni, I would bring in proven names, right, yeah. to get established once again as the number one a place to go for Toronto sports fans to go to get their uh, their sports information. A third round for Greg I would Brady. People that are well known. Right. Okay, because uh, I was thinking that, uh, a third round for Greg Brady, but that's ridiculous. Nothing's ridiculous. It depends what you want. You're trying to get oh. a new audience versus you're trying to get your old audience back. Gotcha. What's going to do it? Why did people switch over to TSN if they did? Or why have they, you know, why, are they listening to satellite radio? Are they listening on the podcast? Which, of course, you can't measure. They're unable to measure how many they could they could tell you that they had this many downloads, but we know I think they can measure far more accurately a podcast than a radio show. Like because you, oh, can, you, you can, can see all the visits on a podcast, but in a radio Correct. show it's like how many people are carrying around a PPM device. Correct. Correct. But it's always been that way with radio. And that's uh, you know, I mean now can you get advertisers to th- start thinking the other way? Show me how many downloads there are, how many unique downloads? Who's listening for how long? Can you 
And people listen to a podcast differently. They're, I guess you in radio, you call them P1 listeners, but basically right. nobody passively puts something, you know what I mean? Like if people listen to a podcast and they pause it when they go to the washroom or when they go to the, take a phone call and then they come back to it when they're ready to focus again. I know we got onto the radio side, but it's, you were telling me, I wanted to hear, why do you think, you know, Pat Henkin and these folks were uh, like, like, is it just cost cutting? Well, let's get there. I'll get there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wanted. I forgot. Blue Jays clinched, and I need to talk because I'm. I have it. I don't feel the same way I felt, for example, in 2016 when the Blue Jays clinched. Of course not. You weren't there. You weren't part of the. Yeah. No. You know what it more is? It's more like there was no Maple Leaf Square or whatever. None None of that. I think it's got more to do with the fact we got one of those like invented spots. It doesn't feel. It feels like it. It it, wouldn't matter. I think it does. Matter if you clinched first place, you won the division. We got, oh, so okay. 60 we games. Right. It's 60 games to me is such a small sample size for baseball. It just doesn't feel like it's for legit. everybody, though, man. So you can either embrace it or you can say, forget about it. I'm putting an asterisk. I'm not paying attention. Mm. All right. I'm sure if your team wasn't in the playoffs, you would immediately be thinking about fishing right now or college football or whatever. Gotcha. So gotcha. It's just a weird year. So embrace it if you want. If not, uh, don't. It's up to you. Uh, I have to mention also, what else did I want to say about? today's show before we actually oh, are we are show. we still in the is, oh, intro anyone watching the stanley cup finals that's just a rhetorical question uh tampa leads dallas two games to one game four is tonight in edmonton will steve stamkos play uh jamal murray could only do so much against the lakers last night it wasn't enough lebron and company with a 3-1 series lead i could say commanding 3-1 series lead but that would be redundant because <laughs> we all know that a 3-1 series lead is either commanding or it's a stranglehold. <laughs> so I don't need to say that because that's obvious to you, the listener, the viewer. I don't have to pound you over the head by saying a commanding. But you could say the Nuggets have them. Uh, nuggets have them right where they want them. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Eh? Like to remember, I mentioned to you about their coach, right? Uh, Malone. And Mike Malone says, uh, why don't you just give the Lakers a 3-1 series lead and let's start then. Right. <laughs> that was good. And the Miami Heat can move on to the NBA final with a win tonight over the Boston Celtics. Game five of the uh, game five, game four, game five of the Eastern Conference final. They're leading three games to one. And more controversy in the NBA, Mike, as some writers and broadcasters, some of them white, some of them black, some of them male, some of them female, some of them transgender. So some of them disabled, some of them old, some of them young. Are any of them Jewish? <laughs> some of them Jewish, some of them Presbyterian, right. some of them Episcopalian, uh, some of them Trump supporters, some of them not. Anyway, the controversy has to do with uh, ESPN's Maria Taylor and whether or not she should have a vote for the year-end NBA awards, which she did. And she didn't vote for a particular player that everybody else voted for. And they went, wait a second, is she qualified to have a vote? And boy, oh boy, was there a controversy. I'll talk about that. Talk about my love for the late Gail Sayers and remind me again why an NFL team doctor would stick a needle into a quarterback's ribs just before a game and ending up puncturing the player's lung. Yeah. And we're going to talk about this fabulous documentary done by uh, TSN, headed by Rick Westhead about uh, pain management in hockey, if you want to call it pain management. But first, uh, in the immortal words of Fergie Oliver, who, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, was uh, one of the great, uh, great sportscaster, 
but an obvious Toronto fan, and that's okay, and a cheerleader for the Toronto Blue Jays, like the best cheerleader you could ever have, media or otherwise. He was great, and he would lead off his sportscast every night back in the 80s. How about those Blue Jays? Because it just seemed every night you were sitting on the edge of your seat waiting for this game to end to see if they could catch the Yankees or hold off the Yankees or hold off the Red Sox or beat the Tigers. And his line every night at like, what time was he on? 11.20 or 11.40 or whatever it was. He also the sports went, line was on at 11.30, so I didn't get to see a lot but, of it. But early, the early 80s. How about those Blue Jays? And he also opened when the CFTO had the um, Blue Jays game telecast with, I don't know, Don Chevrier and Tony Kubek. I'm trying to remember who was calling yeah. those games. He right. was also, he'd open the telecast with that on the field. Right, right. And, and he did the interviews with guys. but And then later he did play-by-play for a while. He was the TSN play-by-play guy for the Blue Jays. Anyway, how about those Blue Jays? Uh, and remember last week, when they were embarrassed by the Yankees, they just got sucker punched. And, you know, that drop fly ball by Derek Fisher in the first game of the series. And, oh, my God, they lost, what, five, six in a row. Well, you know, the ability to come back, the ability to bounce back, this is what makes people sit up and take notice in sports and in life. You got beaten down, and now look at you, right? You came back better than ever. And that's what happened, folks, because Monday night in Buffalo, the Jays won 11 to five. And then Tuesday back to the old blue Jays waxed 14 to one as the Bronx bombers just get hitting home runs again. Like they did last week. They had 19 home runs in that three game series last week in the Bronx. Um, the Jays should have been beaten, done left for dead, you know, left uh, waiting for a cart to come pick them up. Bring out your dead, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> bring out your dead. No, they bounce back. This team has character. After getting beat 14 to one, what do they do? They turn the tables on the Yankees the next night, beat them 14 to one. Ha, take that. And then in a clincher, a chance to put, and I, I can't stress this enough, folks. We haven't had enough games as Toronto fans like this, a game where you had to win. And I'm not talking about you got to hold serve to win a set in a, in a major, you know, great for Bianca Andreescu and good luck to Denny Shapovalov and Felix and all the uh, in tennis. I'm not talking about sinking a putt to get into the, you know, the top 30 of uh, the the PGA uh, tour final, which was great for Mackenzie Hughes. Folks, this is a chance to clinch against the New York Yankees. All right. This is, this is a chance for a team that didn't have a home didn't have a home for two, three weeks. Where are we going to stay? And finally in Buffalo, a place not front. And, and look at them. Look at them now. Wow. And I know eight teams are going to get in out of 15, but I remember the days when 16 NHL teams would get in the playoffs out of 21 teams in the league. That's true. So don't tell me that eight out of 15 is, oh, well, it's a 60-game schedule. Man, embrace it. It was fantastic. They went 4-1 in the clincher. They got they got Hun Jin Ryu. What a great free agent signing this guy was. They needed an ace of the pitching staff. They got him. Seven innings of shutout ball. Bullpen took over and then got a little bit of help from Randall Grichuk. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to say that Kevin Pillar makes that catch easily. I'm not going to say Teoscar Hernandez makes that play. I don't know. All I know is Grichuk looked great in robbing Gary Sanchez of, if not a grand slam home run, a double off the top of the wall to clear the bases in a, in a four, one game. And then, you know, 
they and then they won it. But and the celebration, of course, is muted because there's no fans in the stands. There's none of that. I don't know what the noise was like there. I know that on the TV broadcast we hear this fake cheering, right? But but in the ballpark, it just must be like empty. Like, do they set off sound effects there? Does the PA announcer do that? They have the organist, the tape music. Do they have that at the ballpark? I don't know. I think they do. I think they do. If for they no must. other reason to kind of to, to kind of put some noise in the park so you can't hear everything the other team but is can saying. Can someone confirm that? I think I have an inside to source who ballpark. told me that at the beginning that they were the players don't want to be heard every time they whisper a play to their teammate. Like they don't want the other team to hear it, so they right. have like uh, some noise. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, in in the in that the park sense. itself. Well, anyway, we're going to the playoffs, Mike. And this is a young team that had no place to call home, barred from playing in Toronto, <laughs> uh, unable to play in Baltimore. Okay. They settled on Salem Field in Buffalo. They go 15 and 8 at Salem Field. Ooh. Other teams didn't like playing there. Uh, they're going to play three more games there this weekend to figure, finish out the regular season against Baltimore. And then that's it for Salem Field in Toronto. That's it. They're going to go to Tampa. Best two out of three, all three games in Tampa in the first round. Okay. So, that's so your problem with the number eight seed. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, they did okay in Tampa. They won three out of seven this year, which is pretty good for them. Uh, they were all close games, if I recall. I'm pretty sure three or four of them were one-run games, and maybe one of them was a two-run game, but close games in Tampa. And I think that jinx of not being able to play in Tampa, that they better get rid of that. This young team doesn't know from that jinx. It doesn't matter to them what happened to teams from years ago. Right. This is a whole new team. I mean, who's, the veteran, who's the veteran player on this team? Who's the guy in this team that's been there the longest? Who? Well, well, considering Giles is injured, Richard? right? Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Danny Jansen? <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Complete They're, turnover. All the, all the guys are all gone. Justin Smoke and Kevin Pillar and all these guys are gone. Anyway, um, it's going to be fantastic. Uh Ryu is going to start Tuesday's opener. He's going to get his, okay, he's going to be on his normal four days rest. Okay. Uh, Taiwan Walker will likely go in game two. He's scheduled to pitch tonight against Baltimore. So he'll be ready for game two, which is next Wednesday. Best two out of three. Okay. No changing venues. So it's, they're all in Tampa. The Jays win that first game. If Taiwan, if uh, what's his name, Ryu can out pitch Blake Snell in the opener and the Jays can win that first game. Whoa. Okay, and in in terms of like home field advantage, I know there's only a batting last, but that goes so game one and three, it's Tampa, and then game two, we bat last. Is that how it works? Uh, I think so. I think that's the way it works. Yeah. Okay, I'm so exciting, like that we have meaningful baseball happening, and uh, yeah. time. I, I just hope these games. I sound like a, a cheapskate, and maybe maybe it's more principle than money here, but I hope these games are on Sportsnet like proper and not buried on. I hope they get the proper Sportsnet exposure instead well, you of. Better hope the Stanley Cup final ends soon, or that the games aren't against each other. But they're going to be, I would think. I'm going to have to figure something out. Scared, but I got. I want to watch you know, these games. baseball every day. Right. Right. Know, hockey's not going to take three days off in order to accommodate baseball. I don't think. So hockey's still I'm playing. Done. You're telling me. Okay. Okay. Right. But I, I listen, I have concerns too, because, you know, um, had they not clinched last night, we would be talking about, oh my God, you know, do you want to leave Vladdy in at first base? He doesn't look like a first baseman out there. And, and what about Alejandro Kirk? Can you put this guy behind the plate? You know, he, he's just up from a ball. I mean, he can hit for sure, but uh, you know, the Jays defense has been suspect all year long, Mike, the Jays base running and decision-making has been questioned all year, and yet still they're three games above 500. Mm -hmm. 
you know, they just bounce back against the Yankees. They believe in themselves. And the, the most dangerous team you can have are a bunch of guys that just, they don't know how good they can be, but they're just having fun. They got nothing to lose. Right. And people are going, well, you know what? If Flatty starts to hit, and he is. If Bo starts to hit, and he is. If Biggio and Guriel. And who knows what that's Alejandro Kirk and um, maybe just maybe, you know, Tay Oscar's your MVP. He's been so solid this year and he's hitting the ball out of the park as well. And maybe, you know, some of the new acquisitions are just fitting in nicely with this squad. You know, you just never know. You never know. And it's a young, exciting team. So, uh, Good for them. This is this is a good step in their uh, you know building process. Nobody expects a World Series this year, but it's nice to have this building block to to build. I'm going to call the Jays. Are going to upset Tampa. They're going to win it in three games. Something wild's going to happen in the third game. Okay. There's going to be it's you know what's going to happen. It's going to be a mistake. Someone's going to make a mistake. I hate to say this, uh-huh. but instead of the game, like I want to see a game being won or lost by a great play, right? But there's just going to I just get this feeling there's going to be some weird stuff, lost ball on the lights or something goofy. Oh. And they're going to bring out the replay camera. And it's going to be one of those. Oh no, 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 no. Right. Okay. Looking forward to thing, it. It's not going to be brawling by fans because there's no fans. <laughs> okay. Meanwhile, it's obvious that uh, Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins are excited about the Jays making the playoffs, but really, uh, it kind of cuts into the business moves that they're making, which are not uh, winning them any points with Blue Jay fans. We all know they don't care much about Blue Jay history. If they did, they would take jersey number one away from Sean Yamaguchi, uh, the same jersey number one that the same guy has a patch, a Tony Fernandez commemorative patch honoring number one, Blue Jay's number one who died this year. Sadly, but still, they're like, duh. It's okay if Yamaguchi wears number one. We're honoring Tony Fernandez on, on his sleeve. Stupid. Take the number one away from this guy. Looks dumb on a pitcher anyway, and especially you're doing a disservice and, and you're disrespecting Tony Fernandez, his legacy, and his family. So stop it already. So we know this about Shapiro and Atkins. They don't give a crap about Blue Jay history at all. But now... They're starting to get on my nerves because yesterday they tied the can on the same day that they were going to clinch. So they had a chance to clinch the same day uh, to Pat Henkin and Paul Quantrill, two former, well, certainly Henkin, a former great and Quantrill, a former pretty good. If we could say that, right. Both of them were special assistants. Now a special assistant, as far as I know, they, they, regularly visit the Blue Jay farm teams. They represent the Jays brand. Hi, we're former Blue Jays. I'm Pat Henkin. I'm Paul Quantrill. We played in high pressure situations. You guys, you young Blue Jays, this is what you want to aspire to. And you know, you talk up the organization and you give these guys pep talks and you're a, you're, you can call it a figurehead. You can call it a, a marketing or an arm of the marketing department, whatever it is, you're a former um, Blue Jay player. You have credibility. These guys look up to you. And so for eight years for Henkin and six years for Quantrill, they have been um, visiting uh, farm teams, uh, performing workshops with young players, pitchers especially, uh, sharing the knowledge and other resources that they have with the players, 
and they've been let go. And, and uh, the way I understand it from Shai Davidi, and thanks for the story from Shai Davidi, who covers the Blue Jays for Sportsnet, uh, they've both apparently been offered a chance to return on a part-time basis. And so I understand, Mike, the need to cut costs. I understand that the Jays have to reorganize their minor system because, you know, minor league baseball is never going to be the same. It didn't exist this year. There were no minor leagues. You know, you had a training camp in, in uh, Rochester uh, for guys to be ready in case they got called up to the big squad. Ken Huckabee, who was the, the guy that ran that and was the Buffalo manager at AAA, has also been let go. Um, and the same is true for, you know, a, a couple of other uh, guys, uh, David Ardsma, who was the pitching rehab coordinator. And boy, he had a lot of work to do because they rehabbed a lot of arms on that team, man. And also uh, a pitching rehab coach, Daryl Knowles, former um, uh, fine reliever in the major leagues. Uh, they're not going to be back either. So here, while the team on the field is celebrating their success, the behind the scenes, the GM, uh, you know, and farm director and such and, and president are, are chopping. They're getting rid of people and key people. And I don't like that. And especially I don't like the timing of this at all. And I'm wondering if there's more to it. You know, was Hankins a very outspoken guy? He was the bullpen coach in 2011 and then in 2013. So he was there and then he was gone and then he came back and now he's a special assistant. And, and I know that he has certain thoughts and you know, I, I, you know, I'm only speculating here, but maybe he said something and then like, Oh, we can't have that. But, but maybe it made it convenient for the blue Jays organization to say, you know, now would be a good time to cut costs. We have to do it anyway, eventually. And let's, you know, let's re evaluate these guys positions and let's offer Henkin and Quantrill um, something more part-time. Maybe, maybe we only need you, um, you know, 40 days a year for special events or during spring training only. I don't know, but it stinks. And so for that to come out right now, when you're celebrating this organization and you're looking back at the time that Henkin was a member of two World Series teams and uh, was a Cy Young winner, key guy, been with his organization for a number of years. You look at what how Quantrill contributed as well. It just, that, you know, I don't like that. No, and you might recall, I was just a moment ago holding up uh, a book about Roy Halladay, but you might recall that was, uh, so when Roy Halladay wanted to work with the Blue Jays before he worked right. with the Phillies, he wanted to do it out of Florida near his home. And the Jays wanted him to do what Pat Henkin and the gang were doing. I think they call it roving instructor or whatever, where you mm -hmm. go to, yeah, you'll go yeah, to Buffalo. and right. roving, yeah, roving instructor. Right. And uh, so interesting that that's that position. And uh, I think, I think it's, uh, it's sad that if, the, if this is a cost-cutting maneuver, because by all well, accounts... And, and one final point, though, I want to say, because we kind of go at... Sometimes we go at Sportsnet for being uh, uh, a partner of the Blue Jays, because, of course, Rogers owns both. And I feel like this is a good example of a story that, you know, Shai Davidi could have... Like, you know, he, he put this story out there, and it's not a good story PR-wise. It's a bad story PR-wise. It's good evidence that there is a good separation of, like, Baseball PR and baseball reporting at Rogers, right? Hang on a second, though. See, yeah. Shai Davidi's position is not to comment on these per se. And he could have written that article and said, I don't like this from the Blue Jays or these guys were loyal. No, but he's reporting it. Cost -cutting move. He's only reporting it. But only, yeah, but you know, there's not a lot of ways to spin this uh, positively. Like there's not, you know. You Was know. this a cost cutting measure? Um, and But he also put in the, you know, he, he stated the facts, which were, uh, you know, the entire reorganization of the minor league system is is in the process of happening. Teams, 
you know, are looking at their bottom line saying, how do we recoup the money that we lost that we'll never get back from the millions of fans we would have had in the stands? How do we do that? Uh, and going forward, well, you know, how do we streamline the organization? Because obviously baseball and many other industries have had to reevaluate and look at their future. Seven inning games versus nine inning games. Hmm, not a bad idea. Speeding the game up. Yeah. We're, you know, we're battling other sports and other uh, activities, especially now during COVID, you know, we better get our, you know, our ducks in a row our you know, our hmm. house in order, whatever cliche you want to use. And I think now, especially when they hinted last year before COVID ever came along that they were going to restructure minor league baseball. Minor league baseball was becoming too costly for the major league teams. And there must be a better way. Um, and, and you're hearing people say, um, you know, like in baseball, for example, the idea of your fastest player batting leadoff and your power hitter batting fourth cleanup spot and your number two hitter being a guy who can handle the bat has completely gone out the window. This is a different game. And the world is different now. And the way you approach baseball, you know, from different vantage points is changing. It's obvious, you know, if the, if the play on the field is changing and then you, you must expect that things are going to change off the field as well. And part of that is, you know, we got too many employees. How do we cut costs? Do we need all the groundskeepers? Maybe not. Maybe these guys can do more. Do we need all of our ticket uh, sellers? Maybe not. Do we need all of our marketing people? Maybe not. Can these people work from home? Maybe they can. Can Pat Henkin and Paul Quantrill do Zoom calls instead of us paying for their travel and hotel and per diems when they go down and visit the guys face-to-face? All of these things must be taken into consideration, especially if you're the president of the team and you got to answer the board of directors and they're going, how much money did we lose this year? Still, uh, props to people like Mike Wilner, who I saw uh, tweeting about what a quality, forget quality people, that's always important yep. for an organization, but quality baseball people. Like, it's, it, I don't see, there's, this is a pretty negative PR story and uh, Rogers didn't pull any punches as far as I can tell. It's never good when you have to get rid of people. It just never is. It's distasteful. You know, uh, listen, I have a friend that is responsible for a lot of uh, employees and to say that you would get sick to your stomach and wouldn't be able to sleep the night before you knew you had to fire somebody. I've never had to do that. I would never wish it upon my worst no. enemy. I can't imagine what it's like to have to go through that. You're, you know, have to let somebody go that has a family that you've known that you've perhaps, you know, been in social circles with before, but you're still the boss. Oh man. But you've been told by your superiors, look, this person's got to go. You've got to cut sure. costs. It I don't sucks. care how you do it, but if you don't, we're going to cut you. Yeah, unless you're a sociopath, that's always a difficult uh, moment. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, basketball and Jamal Murray from Kitchener, Ontario. Had 32 points for the upstart Denver Nuggets. Not enough, though, to take down LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the rest of the powerful L.A. Lakers in Game 4 of their Western Final. The Lakers prevailed 114-108. They have a 3-1 series lead. A.D. had 34 points. Now, remember, he hit that buzzer beater in Game 2 that was just spectacular. Right that uh, really changed the series, turned things around. I'm not sure the Nuggets would knock off LA anyway. They're so powerful, the Lakers, right? LeBron had 26 and um, was a dominant. Those two were just dominant. Um, the Lakers now up uh, 3-1. And remember, Denver has come back not once, but twice 
from three one deficits, took down Utah in the opening round, and then the Clippers in round two. So I never say never. When they are on when they are in the midst of, it seems, being eliminated, mm-hmm. when they are being counted out, when they are being told they have one foot in the grave, down three games to one, the Denver Nuggets go, not so fast. You're not going to put us away. Trying to eliminate the Denver Nuggets is a very, very difficult task. Okay? Right. Just remember, you're up 3-1. Okay, they win, they win game five. All right, it's 3-2 now. You still, you're still up. Right? Oh, now it's 3-3. Three, three. Oh, you're, you, you still got a chance with a win. No. They won three straight games. You couldn't close the deal. Right. So the Lakers, had, you know, they had better close the deal. Good luck winning three games in a row against LeBron James and the uh, LA Lakers. That's what they said about the Clippers. Good luck. They said Lakers well, are better. Against Kawhi and Paul George, they went, good luck. I have no a question. Chance. I have Especially an Kawhi. I have, <laughs> I have a timely NBA question for you, and I know you know your stuff, because yeah. my brain can't come up with one. Can you name an NBA player in the history of the NBA that led, I don't mean was on the team, but led three different franchises to an NBA championship? I cannot. Yeah, I know. I can't either. So, I th- so LeBron. I'm just saying, if LeBron leads the uh, Lakers to an he NBA beats championship, Kawhi to it. Yes, he beats Kawhi to it. Right, he beats Kawhi to it. But three different franchises, not just being a you know, not, not even just being a starter, but a star, like essentially the best player on three different franchises winning an NBA championship. That's remarkable. Yeah, I'll tell you this also that today's NBA, there's much more movement of players than there was back in the day. So, oh, you yeah. know, I'm not sure that, uh, like for example, Will Chamberlain led two teams. But had there been, you know, movement uh, and, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as well led the Milwaukee Bucks to a championship and the Los Angeles Lakers. But had there yeah, been a bunch the of same teams. movement of players? Yeah, sure. Because nowadays nobody stays with the same team for 15 <laughs> years, right? You're right. Like, like you're right. Like, you know, uh, I'm, but I'm thinking like Shaq, who you can, you could argue like Kobe was a better player or whatever. But Shaq was a leader on two different franchises that won in it. Like he, you know, not three because he, he. Well, he was actually on he Heat actually Lakers. On Orlando. But Miami they didn't win it. And the Lakers. Yeah, but Orlando never won a championship. No, they didn't. But they. But still. I yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. So this. This would be unprecedented as far as uh, my memory bank. Is uh, yeah, I can't think of another guy. Certainly not a not a star player. There might yeah. have been a role player there who managed a, a championship sure. ring with three different teams. Sure. I can't think. Of. Robert Horry, maybe. Or I don't know. <laughs> uh, Robert Horry, Houston, Lakers, and maybe just twice. Did he win? Else? I'll have to Google it, but maybe he won it. Yeah, but he didn't start. You're right. Uh, Go on. <laughs> uh, game five is uh, Saturday night uh, and win or go home for the Nuggets and uh, maybe they'll pull that one out. And Miami can take out the Celtics tonight with a win in game five of their Eastern final. It's been kind of quiet there, but boy, Miami's looked really good. Jimmy Butler's great. Bam Adebayo is going to play tonight. Apparently uh, he made that great, huge block, massive block on Jason. Uh, was it Jason Tatum? I think um, in game one. Fabulous. By the way, shout out to uh, uh, Robert Horry, who actually has won uh, seven times. I just want to yes, shout him out. That's uh, tremendous. But how many uh, different teams? Three different teams? Lakers and uh, Spurs, I think, are the only. Spurs. Oh, and, her, and Rockets. Right? Didn't he win? I What's think that? he, I think, well, the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets. Yes, Houston, he won Spurs, with. and Lakers. Right. But not a star like LeBron, but still a key player on no, three different franchises. Six, he was a key player. And there you go. There's your answer. Wow. Um, one of the most talented young female sports TV hosts is ESPN's Maria Taylor. Now, if you watch enough TSN, you likely have seen her on their NBA studio shows that they do. 
and I can't, it's uh, inside the NBA is the TNT show. That's with uh, Ernie and Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal and Kenny, the jet Smith. Right. But the ESPN one, and I don't know what it's called has um, uh, Jalen Rose on there, various other um, um, analysts, but the host is Maria Taylor and she's very, very good. And it's her first year hosting this show. Um, she's a former basketball player um, and hosting the show and, uh, and has done very well and is also hosting Monday Night Football. She's the sideline reporter, the one who uh, Chicago talk show host took a shot at by uh, commenting on her appearance. She was wearing a particular outfit that he thought uh, looked, uh, I'm not even going to repeat. Fetching? What did he- <laughs> Whatever it was. So here's what happened. Maria Taylor. So anyway, she's the, she gets a vote. Um, Amongst all the journalists, people that cover the NBA, she gets a vote and for the NBA um, all-star teams, year-end all-star teams. The NBA always lists three teams, the first team, second team, and third team, right? So there you go, 15 of the top players in the game. Uh, Maria Taylor uh, did not name Lakers center Anthony Davis to her first, second, or third team all-NBA ballot. Now, Anthony Davis was voted first team NBA center. He didn't sneak in on the 13th. He was voted first team center. Right. The best center in the NBA. According to Maria Taylor, he wasn't even the third best center in the NBA. Got that? Got it. So Doug Gottlieb, very well-respected talk show host as well, who's very opinionated, as he should be as a talk show host on Fox Sports Radio, um, criticized Maria Taylor's gaffe. And asked an obvious question. And here is the quote from the tweet. Why does Maria Taylor have a vote? Real question. She is a studio host slash sideline reporter in her first year covering the NBA. Mm. She works a ton, not just on the league. No reason for her to have a vote. End quote on the tweet. Now, how do you think the Twitterverse responded to that tweet oh they'd probably uh accuse him of misogyny at the very least mike he knew that he was going to get some blowback but i don't think even he knew that people would take this and turn it into a gender and color issue i thought that he believed that people would look at it the issue being was this person qualified to vote and if this person what wasn't should they be called out because they didn't make an obvious selection that every single other reporter did? Not, not what color is she? Not, not what gender is she? Right. But how much experience did she have? And did she show that experience and knowledge by voting uh, correctly? That's the word. Right. Correctly. If she was the only one to not have him on their top three. Right. And he was unanimous except for her on everyone else's ballot and ended up being the number one center. Then she obviously made a mistake and maybe she should have said something. Maybe she should have said, you know, I screwed up. I didn't do my homework. I completely overlooked Anthony Davis. Right. And would Anthony Davis have a reason to go, Hey, um, I don't know what I said to Maria Taylor. I don't know what I did to Maria Taylor, but how could every other voter uh, select me on their first, second or third teams? And yet one, what did I do to offend her? Why, why, why is she? Yeah. She just doesn't like unibrows. Is that what we're to assume? It could be. 
But wouldn't if you were Anthony Davis, wouldn't yeah. you go? No. And maybe wouldn't you clear go, oversight? Well, who, who, why does Maria Taylor have a vote? Now, the reason I'm mentioning this, too, is Doug Gottlieb is a white man, an older man. And Maria Taylor is a young black female. And so people, when they saw this tweet, they jumped to the defense of Maria Taylor, as she did to herself, to say that she earned it. In, and in her mind, she believed that she earned that, but she right. did not address the fact that Anthony Davis was left off her ballot, didn't give any reasons for that. And I think that's wrong. I think that uh, you need to be accountable. And I'm not saying that people should be jumping all over one or the other, but I think it brings up the question. Yeah. And, and the other part of it is Jason Whitlock, who is a black reporter, mm-hmm. also called out Maria Taylor in an, a, a later column, said that Maria Taylor didn't matter her color or gender. So, uh, it mattered what she had done and, and anyone else would be called out. But he also said yeah. that if it was a white guy yeah. that had left Anthony Davis off the ballot, he'd be considered a racist and would likely lose his vote. Ooh. Now, do you think that's true? Do you think that what? if Maria Taylor was a white man and left and, and was the first year studio host, uh, you know, perhaps not qualified to get a vote that early in, in his career, and he had not voted for Anthony Davis, who, by the way, is black, which shouldn't have anything to do with it, but of course, nothing should. Right. Would people go, hey, how could you not, you racist? No, I, I don't think so, no. I think, I think to suggest a reporter in the NBA is racist is asinine, uh, considering how many uh, stars are African-American. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. asinine. I do, the big question, I but think- But you it, can see how people could jump to conclusion by saying she's being picked on because she's a woman and a black. Yeah. At, as opposed to leaving that aside and just looking at the issue, which is why did should you, she have selected right. Anthony Davis and why didn't she select Anthony right. Davis and what's the reason for that? And is she qualified? If she didn't vote for Anthony Davis, was she really qualified to cast a ballot for the NBA's best players? So the big question I think here is would, uh, what's Gottlieb's first Doug, Doug Gottlieb, would, Doug Gottlieb. He, would he have uh, made the same, would, would he have criticized a white man for overlooking Anthony Davis. Like, Absolutely. Because that's, that's, that's the case, yes. He would have said, he okay. not only criticized him, he would have said, he would have said for sure, this person does not have enough experience, doesn't deserve a vote. Okay. Then we can remove gender and race from this equation because it, it 100% was 100% because the bottom line is she didn't vote for Anthony Davis and everyone else did. What was her reason? <laughs> it, it can't be based on gender or, or color. It can't be. No, It's got to be based on knowledge. Or something personal, like maybe, maybe, uh, yeah, like, you know how, like, you, you, when yourself. you were covering Dave Steve, maybe you, no, no. I'm not saying Come you personally, say. but some, yes, I know, you need, yes, okay. Interesting, Come out though. And say, Interesting. the reason I didn't choose Anthony Davis for my top three is dot, dot, dot. Now, that's Or, very- I screwed up, yeah. I overlooked Anthony Davis, Yeah. it was a mistake, Right. I am a rookie. Right. Uh, could be an oversight. I, I, I apologize to Anthony Davis. Right. For not including him when everyone else did. It's right. Nothing personal, Anthony. Right. I forgot. Right. Something. But Something. This, we're so charged now to but look don't at. Don't play the victim. Don't play the victim. Don't say, hey, don't be, don't be dissing me because I, I didn't, you didn't like who I voted for. But, don't be dissing me and saying I don't have a right to have that vote. But you will say right? it in this. Don't it, turn it around and make it that you're a victim. You screwed up. Okay. You screwed up by not voting for Anthony Davis when everyone else did. You didn't do your homework and it's you need to come clean. Similar to- Forget ins- about color and gender. Right. You need to come clean and say, 
Or you need to come clean and just say, this is the reason I didn't vote for him. Face the music. Similar to uh, Steve Simmons asking that question of Masai Ujiri that we discussed last week, it, it just, it does feel, it's un- an uncomfy, problematic feeling when you, like an older white gentleman kind of chastises a young black woman in a typical, in a historically dominated, uh, like male dominated and white male dominated field. I get that. You know what I mean? You can't blame every single guy today for the transgressions of those in the past. If he's got a legitimate beef with someone and he's right. not looking at color or gender. Right. And you're trying to make it seem like he's looking at color or gender for that. And you're coming to the defense of Maria Taylor because you follow her. Right. Instead of looking at it in context and saying, oh, geez, she didn't vote for Anthony Davis. What games were she watching? Uh, yeah. And what, you don't think black people are capable of saying that about someone, black or white? No, of What course. games was she watching? Right. I mean, Anthony Davis, are you kidding me? That How could she not vote for him? Right. Hebsey, may I, uh, may I bring a fun trivia fact to you here that I just researched here. So only two players, I just going to bring it back to uh, okay. LeBron real quick here. Only two players in the history of the NBA have won championships on three different teams. Only two. One is Robert Horry, who we discussed. Robert Do you have a guess on the other? I don't think uh, you what can. What era was it? It's uh, like uh, 80s, 90s. 80s, 90s? Yeah. Uh, probably somebody that played for the Chicago Bulls on his way to somebody else. Did this guy play for the New York Knickerbockers by any chance? Uh, no, does not. But uh, did did win a championship with the Bulls. You're right. So he uh, won one with the Bulls. He was one of those guys. Uh, but he's. Uh, I would say he starred with a team that won before the Bulls. And then he <laughs> picked one more on me. his way out. He picked one more up with the Lakers. Just, just uh, John Sally, former Raptor. John Sally. John Sally. Very good. John Sally. That's it. So From LeBron Georgia will Tech. join in a very exclusive club. He'll be the third player ever to win championships on three different teams. That's nice. Just I guess he could there. put that on his resume. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Yeah, he's going to get the he respect couldn't sit he deserves. Still. <laughs> couldn't sit still long enough to win multiple championships with the teams. He had to move on to another team to do it. Right. And piss off the fan base. Who oh, bought just... all of his jerseys, but never mind. <laughs> but he came back and won a championship okay. for that fan base. This weather has been spectacular, has it not? Yes, it has. Amazing. You've been cycling a lot. I've been doing the same and playing golf. And of course, uh, going to Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in beautiful Burlington as often as I can. Show that hat there, man. You're beautiful. There it is, Crossman. So I'm going to be there Sunday. I'm going to play with my son. Nice. And uh, it's going to be like 26 degrees and sunny. Can you believe that? Beautiful. So uh, my suggestion to you is if you want to play a fabulous golf course, beautiful million-dollar views of Rattlesnake Point, Mount Nemo on the Niagara Escarpment, go check out Crosswinds Golf and Country Club. Uh, it's very reasonably priced. It's less than an hour from downtown Toronto. And quite frankly, it's, uh, it's an oasis. It's just a beautiful place to get out there with your friends, social distancing, of course, which is easy to do, and enjoy the, the splendor, the nature, uh, and the views at Crosswinds. The people are fabulous there. Uh, they have uh, bent over backwards to accommodate us during COVID-19, and um, man, it's just beautiful. So check it out. Uh, I've been playing some pretty good golf. The conditions are always fabulous there. I mean, you could you could play in your bare feet. You can't really. You're not supposed to. No, I wouldn't recommend it. But I mean, it's in such good shape that you could walk like on your bare feet, like it's a carpet. Nice. Sounds so beautiful. So check it out. Crosswinds Golf and Country Club. It's crosswindsgolf.com. The PGA Tour Stop of the Week I'd like to be covering. It's in Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic. And uh, the leaderboard is changing as we speak during the second round, but I can tell you the Canadians, David Hearn and Mackenzie Hughes are in the running. 
um, in the second round here, along with uh, Corey Connors, Roger Sloan, Michael Gligich, and Graham Delatt uh, mm. back playing after uh, some uh, injury problems. So mm. lots of Canadian content. You know, we're looking at um, young it's always young, isn't it? It's never like, you know, hey, there's this great old Canadian that no one's heard of before. That's right. It's always young teenagers or whatever. <laughs> Golfers and tennis players, especially. We, we know them from the time they're teenagers, right? Bianca right. Andrescu, Felix Ocealiasim, Denny Shapovalov. The old man is uh, uh, Milos Raonic. But you've also got uh, Vasek Pospisil, who just seems to be just such a great fighter. And was he not last year, Vasek Pospisil, the... Um, CP Athlete of the Year? He was. Uh, Gregory Strong and the gang, I think, gave him yeah, the award. from Great. Canadian Press. He was the Athlete of the Year. So, I mean, we got some good young athletes in golf, in tennis, yeah. in track and field, which we're going to see, um, and swimming and uh, right. gymnastics, which we're going to see next July, hopefully, fingers crossed, at the Tokyo Olympics. Right. Um, and and soccer. And we got, you know, our, female, our women's team is terrific. Our men's team, getting there. Right. Alfonso Davies, you know, who's in the running for Athlete of the Year as well. And we've been Jamal talking about Murray, Jamal Murray. Who mentioned right. many other NBA right. players. Now, did we mention Denny is like the, only the second Canadian male tennis, men's tennis player ever to reach the top 10? Top 10, yeah. After uh, Milos, he's the second one. That's right. He's getting there. He's exciting to watch. He hasn't quite broken through. Um, he's won one tournament. It was a 250 tournament, which is a... You know, it's a it's a win, but it's not against the top competition. It's not one of the big tournaments out there. But he still he's been in the winner's circle, uh, broke his maiden, as they like to say, uh, and is now battling. He's gotten to the quarters a few times, uh, semis in some of the big events, and so he's going to break through Denis Shapovalov and maybe, just maybe, at the French Open. Cool. Who knows? Uh, the Tampa Lightning lead the Dallas Stars two games to one. This would be hockey. The Tampa Lightning, Dallas Stars. Um, that's your Stanley Cup final this year being played in Edmonton. Are you watching? I would tell you that Tampa and Dallas would be playing in Edmonton. That people, Edmonton would be the epicenter of hockey <laughs> in September 2020. You'd say, get out of here. What have you been smoking? What have you what been smoking? What kind of gummies have you been ingesting? <laughs> yeah, for sure. But it's true. Are you watching? No. Did you look at, because somebody, uh, I saw some I don't numbers. even know when the games are on. Okay, I can uh, tell you. In fact, you know when the games are on? Up against the Jays games. What if I told you that game two got about 800 and something thousand viewers in this country? I wouldn't be surprised at all. In fact, I think that's pretty good for two oh. teams that nobody knows anything about in Canada. But it's the Stanley Cup final. I feel like that should... Doesn't matter. Okay. It's, it's when it's taking place. You see, baseball I can get into because I'm used to baseball in September. But I can't get into hockey in September. But you Basketball could, you could, could if the Leafs basketball were playing. Basketball is still, you can play indoors or outdoors. Sure. It's never not basketball season for right. basketball fans. You can always play indoors if it's the winter. You know what I mean? Right. But can I ask you this? And the funny thing about basketball is, Mike, is it's a winter sport, right? It takes place from the fall until the spring. Yet in the Olympics, it's a summer sport. Right. Yeah. And right. ice hockey is not the same. Ice hockey is a winter sport. Ice hockey is part of the winter Olympics. Right. But basketball, a winter sport in the NBA and in most yeah. professional leagues and college leagues, played starting in the fall. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is a summer Olympic sport. Yeah, interesting. Interesting that. Isn't it? It is interesting. Uh, I, I guess I, I guess you, you stay you're not watching, and I'm actually not watching either, but it is fair to say, and I think everybody would, would say, that if, if the Leafs were playing in the Stanley Cup final, you'd be watching every game you of could. Course. 
And I wonder. I always wonder, like, what would those... the Habs? If the Habs were playing, I'd watch. If Ottawa oh. was playing, I might watch. Oh, okay. I might That's surprising to me. Okay. Uh, if Calgary was playing, I wouldn't care. If Edmonton's <laughs> playing, I would. Oh no, Edmonton, I'd watch for Connor McDavid. Right. Would you if watch Winnipeg the Canucks? Was playing, I might watch because I like Paul Maurice. No. Oh. Uh, if Vancouver was playing, absolutely not. No. Okay. Gotcha. So anyway, Tampa leading two games to one. Steven Stamkos is doubtful tonight after playing just over two minutes in game three and scoring a key goal. Big surprise. And he hung out on the bench, even though he didn't come out for the, he, he like the warm up. He came for the warm up. He skated around. He couldn't play anymore. Yeah, I'm sure you saw that. I don't have to tell you, but it's good, man, because uh, they're going to, they're going to win the Stanley cup. looks like they're a better team than Dallas. It appears that way. Oh. And um, I just haven't been paying attention and, and I'm not sorry. Well, good for them. But I am interested in whether or not the Maple Leafs will go after Alex Petrangelo, who's from like King City. And the last I heard, they were going to offer him as part of the deal a transponder so he can get from <laughs> King City and get on the 407 and, <laughs> and get down to the practice, which is near where you are, down to the MasterCard Center. Right, right, right. I know they were talking about, hey, he's from King City. It's 30, 35 minutes. Yeah, 30, 35 in good traffic. But if you had a transponder, you'd be able oh, to shave. A get him a helicopter. Off. Come on. Even better. Even better. So I'm interested. And so, Mike, would you trade William Nylander? Oh my God! Just to clear up cap space in order to sign. Of course, uh, like who wouldn't? Like, right. isn't that a? Can you find somebody that would take <laughs> Nylander at seven million a year? That's a bigger question. But uh, yes, seven's not. I don't think he. I don't think that's an outrageous number today for uh, for him. It a is. skilled forward. Well, <laughs> with that flow, I'd say seriously. I would say in any other market, Nylander is a four and a half million oh. to five million dollar a year player. Like uh, like Jeff Finger. Okay, so... Hasn't uh, proved himself at all. Who, what Leaf fan would not trade Nylander to clear up cap space to uh, sign Pietrangelo? Well, the other thing is, is that I think that you can get, you know, a good return for Nylander. Uh, you know, people need scoring. Yeah. And he can put the puck in the net. Sure. He's a skilled, skilled forward. They don't grow on trees. Like I'm sure he'll excel in his next market, (laughs) like typical Lee fashion. (laughs) Okay. So I found out this week, unfortunately, that uh, Gail Sayers, former great Chicago Bears running back Hall of Famer, had died at the age of 77. And it brought back memories of the first athlete I ever saw that was electrifying. That I actually... Like my, I had goosebumps. The, the the hair on the back of my neck stood up. I I, I was ri- I rose from my seat wow. uh, involuntarily <laughs> to watch this guy run like a hundred and ten yard kickoff return or something like that. He was electrifying. Uh, whenever he touched the ball, there was a chance that he would score a touchdown. I remember my dad saying to me, "He he could score in the mud, in the snow." <sighs> If three guys looked like they were going to tackle him, he would he could find some way to escape and then break free. And there's something, Mike, about an open field run in football that's unlike any other sport. That this one guy has the football and everyone else is trying to chase him down and he is eluding them. Right. He's using his speed. He's using his shiftiness. He's faking with his head. He's faking with his shoulders. He's making guys miss. He's getting guys that think they can get a hand on him. And then he accelerates away or he cuts back the other way against with all these guys. And Gail Sayers was the first I ever saw do that and make guys look foolish, Right. make them miss. And so this combination of blinding speed and shiftiness, and electri- electrifying acceleration when he hit the hole and you went, ooh, and then in a split second, he burst gone. through the hole and he, and he was gone. Wow. 
just, oh my God. There were hockey players that were like that. I remember watching Yvonne Cornoyer, you know, the roadrunner, they called him. He just had a burst of speed. And you'd hear the Montreal Forum crowd go, oh, they would just rise out of their seats when he would get a breakaway or he would just break free. Right. The same is true to an extent of, of an Alex Ovechkin, uh, Connor McDavid. Yes. Is when they get the puck in open ice and they just explode. Gilbert uh, uh, Perot was like that. The best was Bobby Orr because he would go back of the net and wait. And then he would start out and you'd hear this murmur from the crowd and then he would go by one guy and he, and then he would just break through and everybody would just rise out of their seats. It was electrifying. And so Gail Sayers was unique and explosive and electrifying. And um, his career ended way too soon. He only played eight years. I think two of them, the last couple of years, he was, uh, in such pain, he could barely play at all. Similar to so Bobby Orr, really was, like similar to Bobby Orr, and then he was similar to Bobby Orr. He was. He Bobby played a little bit longer, uh, and Gail Sayers never played for a good team. Bobby Orr won a couple of um, Stanley Cups, but, yes. but Gail Sayers did not. The Bears were not a good team, and so he was one of those guys who was an electrifying, fabulous player and played in Chicago for an iconic franchise, but they didn't win any championships with him, and he was in pain a lot, um, and also. It just so happened that he was involved in a situation for several years with a fellow named Brian Piccolo, who was also a running back for the Chicago Bears and was the subject of a movie, Brian's Song, in the early 70s. Uh, he had passed away from cancer, and he was Gail Sayers' roommate, and they were one of the first mid-60s. They were rookies in 1965, and they ended up rooming together. And it was a big deal when it came when race really when it came to race relations. I mean, you're one year removed from the Civil Rights Act being signed in the United States, um, and this was a big deal. And so they made a movie out of it. Billy D. Williams played the part of Gail Sayers, and James Caan played the part of uh, Brian Piccolo. And it was a fabulous movie. And I'm crying just thinking about it because it produces one of the great scenes in the movie where the Gale Sayers character played by Billy D. Williams gets up in front of the whole locker room of the bears to tell them that Brian Piccolo is dying of cancer, their teammate, man, I'm telling you, <clears throat> not a dry wow. eye in the house. Wow. And in the movie Sayers, like he did gets injured, a terrible knee injury. And they actually show footage of the actual injury taking place from NFL films in the movie. They got the actual film of Piccolo and Sayers film of them with the bears obviously paid for that or uh, just to show, you know, what type of relationship they had, but also they showed highlights of the real Gail Sayers like running. And you're like, Holy cow. If you'd ever saw him before you were unbelievable. So yeah, rest in peace, Gail Sayers, the Kansas comet, university of cancer, uh, university of Kansas, sorry. Uh, and part of a, again, he was a great player on his own, but he was also best friends with Brian Piccolo, the late Brian Piccolo now. Um, his teammate and um, the first white black um, roommate situation, I, I believe in the national football league, or at least it appeared that way from the movie. Well, I want to see Brian song. ask or dispute it. I've heard Go good things. Movie, I will song. see it's it. On, well, it's on TV a fair bit, but she's like, can you get it? You must, you must be able to download it. You I'm going to, I'm going to search YouTube all my sources song. and see if I can. Come I got to believe folks. Maybe it's on YouTube. <laughs> Rest in peace. Gail Sayers. Wow. There was a great feature this week by TSN's Rick Westhead and his team, documentary team, on the use of painkillers in hockey with serious side effects that the drugs can produce. It's called The Problem with Pain, 
It was eye-opening and somewhat scary when you think that a lot of professional sports teams have relationships with doctors and pain clinics and the like. And when a team is sponsored by a hospital, there can be a real conflict of interest when a, uh, interest when a doctor representing that hospital, that medical group of companies, uh, can advise a team and a player on medical issues. Who are these medical professionals looking out for? Are their best interests the patient or are their best interests the team? Are they aligned with the team? And this is a problem that uh, the, San the uh, Los Angeles Chargers just showed when their team doctor uh, went to administer a painkiller, a needle, to quarterback Tyrod Taylor just before their game last week uh, for a rib injury. The idea being that if I shoot you up with this now, you're not going to feel any pain and you can go out and play quarterback for the Chargers. Well, uh, there was a bit of a problem. The team doctor missed his mark Ooh. and punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung oh my God. with this uh, painkiller. Oh my God. But the funny thing is the timing of it was right the same week that this uh, documentary came out on TSN. Uh, really well done. Uh, featuring the likes of Ryan Kessler, um, Zenon Konopka, uh, guys who took these um, powerful painkillers. And we're not told of, this, of the side effects. <sighs> Players that they knew, the team uh, medical officials knew, they knew that these guys would do anything to play. Just stitch me up, give me a shot, I don't care. But they weren't told, nor did they ask about the side effects, because they believed that the medical professionals that were working on them were looking out for their best interests. And of course, that's not the case. Right, right. Very interesting. Yeah. And this, this idea of sponsorship, if you look now, a lot of sports teams are sponsored by like medical centers. It's amazing. They have tons of money. And they're basically asking you not asking you, they're saying, we're going to pay you this money so that you'll tell people what a great medical facility we have, what great doctors we have, what fan, you know, fantastic, um, you know, um, relationships we have with our patients right? and how you should bring your medical needs to us. And meanwhile, we're supplying you with the team doctors with their medical expertise to determine whether or not you can come back and play. But we also know that you're dealing with athletes that are chomping at the bit to get back. And if you don't tell them everything, if you just say to them, look, this will ease the pain, it might hurt later on, but after the game's over. Mm -hmm. But we're not going to tell you what it does to your kidneys, your digestive system, that you're going to have to go to the bathroom every 15 minutes now for the rest of your life. And serious kidney problems. You're going to need dialysis. Whew. We're not going to tell you that. We're just going to give you the shot that you want so that you can play without pain and we can win. <sighs> some, some real talk there. <laughs> and on that note, that's it. Episode 204 of Hebsey on Sports. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration as always. And thanks to our sponsor, Crosswinds Golf and Country Club for their support. Uh, go to crosswindsgolf.com. Check them out. Beautiful golf. Still lots to be played this fall. And if you're looking to have a, a banquet, a wedding, a special event, uh, get in touch with them because 2021... Uh, we're all hoping that it's going to be uh, wide open, COVID-free, uh, back to normal, and um, fingers crossed for that. So crosswindsgolf.com to, uh, to check them out. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace, as always. Back with another exciting episode next week. Until then, so long for now.
This podcast has been produced by TMDS and accelerated by Rome Phone. Rome Phone brings you the most reliable virtual phone service to run your business and protect your home number from unwanted calls. Visit romephone.ca to get started.